Hello, everyone. This is Speaking Up with Andrew Pledger, and I am so excited to have with us today Hannah Strickland. And she, her background is in the Philadelphia Church of God, which I have never interviewed anyone from this background. But as I was saying to her earlier, it's interesting to meet different people from different backgrounds, but see how a lot of the dynamics are still the same, And but they change wording and there's some different doctrines, but we're going to dig into that. But she grew up in the PCG from birth until she left at 15. And in her bio, she's saying she, they are an evil organization that takes from the poor to provide a lavish lifestyle for their headquarters family. Let's see. And she says many of her generation has left, but her family is still is still in the cold other than her. And you're saying your mother is also still in, right? No, my mom left. It's just oh, your mom left. Mom. It's just yeah. you and your mom have left. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. I want to clarify that. And the cult is a dooms day cult that believes the second coming of christ is around the corner this is so familiar <laughs> and they do everything to scare their followers into believing they're made up antics they're very sexist homophobic and overall just a disgusting organization wow we have a lot to dig into but thank you so much for coming on the show absolutely i'm so excited go i've read that i reached out to you probably three months ago and so during that back I'm like man I was really angry that day I was harsh but it's true I I was on fire that day yeah I mean go for it yes expose their asses yes but (laughs) yes we love it but isn't it great though to feel those emotions and accept them and not feel that shame for them (laughs) no or shame to be a part of it like oh yeah Growing up, I actually told people I was Jewish, so that way I didn't have to explain like oh, my beliefs. My. Yeah, and honestly, that was sometimes worse. Like people got mm. very anti-Semitic with me. I was like, oh I'm no, not, I was like, I'm not like I. We ate kosher. We kept ho- Jewish holidays. Like, oh, interesting. Uh-huh. Yeah, like Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and Sukkot. Uh-huh. They have yeah. their own. What's the word I want to use? Bastardized versions of it so it's yeah. not on the same days because their calendar is more correct than you know jewish religion <laughs> mm, i it, see it, it was interesting mm. and that shame you feel when you what's the word i use when you try to explain somebody your beliefs and they look at you like you're a freak i know which, yeah most definitely wow and so you were born into the philadelphia church of god and so before we dig into your childhood i think it would be great to talk a bit about the church and its beliefs and how it worked and then so people can know what that is and then we'll dig into your childhood growing up into that so the philadelphia church of god is a branch off of armstrongism armstrongism was founded by herbert w armstrong the worldwide Mm -hmm. church of god when he died everybody splintered but Mm -hmm. he who was higher up in the worldwide decided that they were the one true church and a bunch of branches broke off. Mm -hmm. Um, My father actually joined the worldwide after Herbert W. Armstrong left or died, then left and found the PCG. And that's how Mm -hmm. we got involved. They're, like I said, a doomsday cult. They believe that the world is going to end and that you need to give them all your tithe money and Mm -hmm. give them, um, 
like it's a 30 percent tithe some years oh my god okay all right all right it's, we'll get into that soon keep going oh, yeah, yeah. there are two private jets need full fuel <laughs> <laughs> they like i said they bastardized the jewish religion with eating kosher and doing certain holy days as if it was their own like mm. Rosh Hashanah was called the feast of trumpets and mm. all of that we would meet on Saturdays and kept like a Saturday Sabbath like I said very traditional as far as copying the Jewish religion but they believed in Christ they believed in the New um, Testament the New Testament they preached mm-hmm. from the New Testament and mm-hmm. a lot of revelations because that's mm. where the world's gonna end <laughs> Mm, well so they really did appropriate and steal a lot of things that and did anyone question that or realize that they, they like said that israelites had it right god bless the israelites mm. like now the israelites are in america and that's us like mm. the church the cult and i wish i knew better like the verbiage and why their reasoning is on that but they've got books they're for free you can get them read them Mm. yourself and definitely read one book that says god's true people in parentheses very racist like you can't have intermixed marriages you can't dance with somebody Uh. who's not your race i attended they have a summer camp program Mm. right before school starts which i always thought was great because you can have a month-long brainwashing session with mm-hmm. all your friends thinking yeah. that you're having fun and you come back and you're just like back after summer mm-hmm. camp and sorry i hate to stop you but i don't know what's going on with your sound you'll suddenly the sound gets quiet and it'll go back to normal so i don't know if you want to check your mic because like you're saying so many great things and i want people to hear this no, i'm not sorry. sure here maybe should i not use my microphone should i use the audio or use user user earbuds as speakers so you can hear me and maybe use your computer as a mic so that maybe it won't go in and i don't know we'll see if we'll fix the issue microphone is that better just keep just say a few things and we'll see if it goes out because it's weird because it'll be normal and then go out okay you're good oh Okay, that does sound good. Okay, sorry. So, no, you're back, good. <laughs> back to the camp. So, you're saying you went to this camp that they had every year? Yeah, they had it at the headquarters of the college. The college mm-hmm. and the headquarters are all like one big thing. They have an auditorium where they reach out to people and have like ballerinas perform mm-hmm. and, and famous like mm-hmm. classical musics perform. And they put mm-hmm. on their own stupid plays, which are on YouTube and awful. Mm-hmm. There's one play, I can't remember the name of it, but I can send you the link. And uh-huh. you, you can physically see a minister singing and like hugging all these people on stage. Mm-hmm. Like it's little girls and little boys and older women mm-hmm. and all these yeah. people. And then the two black people show up, shakes their hand. Uh-huh. You can't even hug somebody. Huh. Of a different race than you are you really oh i bad? see so was hugging a behavior that was typical towards like white people that they were typically around and you're saying that then you observe him shaking hands and that is that what you're saying 
it's a production like it's a stage production oh, and I he's like okay like he's hugging all these people like all these people are talking i think it's jeremiah or something oh, like that it's just I been see. so long since so they're yeah. on stage like doing this production okay. and all these people are coming and hugging him and then the two black characters come up and he shakes their hand even though they're oh, in the same group of people it's I disgusting see. that it's is so terrible disgusting. That makes mm-hmm. sense. So I was trying to understand and visualize the situation. So wow, mm-hmm. that is that's very obvious. <laughs> I can put it on YouTube. You put it on YouTube of all things. It's... I'm just imagining that. I see that as like an SNL skit of like satire of racism. <laughs> it like... really is. It really is. I sat there and watched it because I was like, I'm curious. Let's see what's going on. And then I saw that scene and I just paused it and my jaw dropped to the floor. You're trying to be like in their Oklahoma community. They try yeah. to be, they're in Edmond, Oklahoma. They yeah. try to be this, oh, we're a good church and things like that. And uh-huh. I've actually reached out to people who have done concerts there. I've reached yeah. out to newspapers all around mm-hmm. them, like try to yeah. feature their auditorium. Mm-hmm. You don't know the background of this place. It is so evil. It is so awful. And to support them, like, it's awful. I'm trying to think of what else I can say as far as like their beliefs and things like that. Sexuality is completely ruled out. Oh, Actually, yeah, sure. I oh, absolutely. I got in trouble yeah. because I, being a kid and being curious, I looked up lesbian porn. Because <laughs> got you. Typical. Like, typical horny thirteen-year-old. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and the and thing I is, got... you probably didn't get any kind of. Did you get a sex talk from your parents at period or like sex education or we had a booklet like they're oh. like they're big on they're big on books. They okay. write a ton of books. Huh, interesting. And there is and they have a book called The Missing Dimension of Sex and I was oh, supposed to read that and that was supposed no. to be my education. Cool propaganda <laughs> no. Exactly. And so I looked up the porn and my parents found it in the history. And so I had to have a meeting with a minister and my parents to talk about it. And I like the shame you feel when you watch the entire congregation watches you and your parents go into a meeting with the minister. It's I can't describe it like that pit in my stomach. I can still feel. OK, that's it's, it. I want to dig into that a little bit because doing that in an obvious way is public shaming and that's cults do that is they do it in different ways mm-hmm. but and that's they do it because it sends a message to other cult members and also the person is really being punished and shamed so like it's to make people conform to make people follow with the group's rules so i'm sorry that happened so like when you met with the minister then how would what, what happened in that meeting oh i was just like i was curious he's you don't have feelings or anything you're not attracted to women i'm like i'm 13 i'm barely attracted to anything like (laughs) i don't know what's going on i just had hormones Mm -hmm. and i was in i was intrigued and they're like oh as long as you repent and you don't do it again i'm Uh, like okay cool bye (laughs) but it's just sitting there with your parents and you have to explain i looked Mm -hmm. at pornography and it, it it was not fun at all. And there's been other experiences where I was like shamed. So for uh, instance, during services, you have announcements uh, and we would have potlucks and I accidentally hit a cake with my arm. So it hurt the uh, frosting on the cake. Oh uh, no! And, and so the next week during an announcements, no one under the age of 15 can help with potluck. It's like, I just hit a cake. That's all mm. I did. And I ruined it for everybody who wanted to help with potlucks. 
It was awful. It's all going to the same place, sweetie. So we're still understand. Calm your tits, bro. I get it. It's a cake. It's a cake. Don't fuck with the frosting. <laughs> I want to get Don't. that on a t-shirt. Don't fuck with the frosting. <laughs> <laughs> And, and so, it'll be our faces on it doing like this <laughs> and you're fucking with a fist i have like my finger in it and i was like eh. yes, live for it love it i'll send like a thousand of them to the headquarters and be like fuck oh. your frosting <laughs> yes and so I'm really curious to talk about their doctrines and beliefs. So, like, obviously, yeah. you talked about Revelation, the end times, and we'll dig into that. But what about things like heaven and hell and, like, getting, I guess, in the environment I grew up in, it was called, like, salvation or getting saved. I assume it was the same wording in that environment, or what did they call it? So, it was being baptized. So oh, once being you baptized. Were... Okay. So, you would be baptized at a certain age, and you had to study for baptism. And actually, mm. I have a funny story about that. One of the leader's children or grandchildren mm. just recently left because mm. he was studying for baptism and found all of these things that were wrong and came at it from a combative yeah. point of view. And, and he left. Wow. So, it's like the first family, like mm. if, if we could call it that. Yes. One of the, people, the first family just left. And I won't name names because. They know who he is, but it was mm, interesting. When I when I heard that, I was like, "Shit's breaking down." <laughs> so basically, to them, once you get baptized, you're set to go to heaven. Then, or you're set to be like that means that you have the word of God, mm. essentially. So heaven and hell, that comes after Christ comes. Mm. So when you die, you're just asleep. Mm. You don't go to heaven. You don't go to hell. Everybody right now who's dead is just asleep. And then mm. when Christ comes back, they'll either be choose the word of God or go into the pit of fire or hell. It's even more controlling in the sense of I have to be baptized. I have to be in good standing with the church. I have to be as pr pristine as possible mm. in order to make sure I still have the word. And then when I fall asleep, I will be res resurrected. That's the word they use. Huh. Okay. Interesting. Just with my background, I grew up in the IFB cult or independent fundamental Baptist. And it was interesting because we did have baptisms, but in order to get, you didn't need it for salvation or to go to heaven. It was interesting. You could get in their eyes, you could still get saved and go to heaven without getting baptized. But how they would scare people into getting baptized is saying that you're, if you get saved and so for context in that environment, getting saved meant accepting Jesus to your heart. And it's usually like a prayer that you said that was like admitting you're a sinner, believe that Jesus died on a cross for your sins, confess your sins and ask to whatever, go into heaven. And then after you did that, you were expected to get baptized. There'd be sermons on, if you don't get baptized after you say that prayer of getting saved, then you're disobeying God and or God won't bless you. Or it's basically like in, once you do that, like prayer, like you need to get saved ASAP and or to obey God. Because I remember like a Sunday school teacher in my my teen Sunday school class asking me, have you gotten baptized? I'm like, oh, yeah, I have. I was eight when I got baptized. Like, oh, okay, good. We should be right with God then. <laughs> I'm like, oh, um, okay. Wow. And a stark contrast is they don't allow, there's no such thing as like children baptism. It's like when you're older. 
and it comes with like more responsibilities once you're baptized then you're eligible to quote unquote date and get married so if you're not baptized you can't date or get married inside of the cult i see wow that's interesting so what were other teachings that they used to influence or control how you lived your life I think before we were talking or before we started recording, we were talking about mm-hmm. the different verbiage and it was like the world. Like mm. you didn't, your friends in the world weren't your true friends. The mm. people that you have in the world weren't like God's people are your people. Mm. That was a big one. Just making you feel very, what's the word I want to use? A part of something very communitized and very this is who you're supposed to be with and outcasting like being very fake mm. with the world and which they are they put on a great front oh, yes. of oh we're so humble we're so great we're so beautiful and all this they even said for people to stop moving to headquarters because when they built it everybody like mm. went there because they wanted uh-huh. to be like at the holy mecca and they had to make an announcement of don't move here because they wanted only pretty people. Like you had to get approval to move to Edmond. What? I can move wherever the hell I want. Yeah. <laughs> it's and my life. So that's interesting because you talk about 30% tithe and how this church prayer and the poor to get money. So what were all just, I want to like visually my mind understand what were all the things they built and did. And I know you said they had jets. Or yes. I think before we recorded, they had jets. And, they have two. Oh, two they have jets. two private jets. Yep, and they've got oh. a college in. They've got a college in uh, England, oh. too. Like they're oh. they, their member base is shrinking, but they get a lot of money. I'll explain the tithe real quick. Ten mm. percent goes straight to the church. The next ten percent, the twenty, is going mm. to be for the Feast of Tabernacles, and that's for, meant for you to save during the year, so you can spend it all at the Feast of Tabernacles, and give mm. offerings and all that. You probably had offerings too. Was it every yes. week for you, or was it only on special occasions? For offerings, it was usually like every service in the church we had, and for us. They always pushed like the 10% tithe. That's what Mm. they did. They would take from the Old Testament and say that if we didn't give, God wouldn't bless us. And also we had to give happily. We had to be happy about giving 10% of our paychecks every week. And I remember from a child being forced to give up 10% of the $5 allowance I would make every week. And even as I got, (laughs) it's ridiculous. And because- that's how they would control us. They would scare us into saying, oh, this is what God wants. If you don't do it, he won't bless you. He won't give you more money. So if you give us more money, God will give you more money, basically. Like, it's such a scam. Such it's a scam. Same verbiage. Like, you don't believe in God's work, and you don't believe yeah. in... This is to help the work. Like, that's what they call it, the work. I mm. mean, they have a TV show production. Like, it's... Uh, it, oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. And then the third percent or the 30% is every third year you're supposed to give 20%. So Uh, every third year that you're in the cult, you had to give another 20 to the church. And that was to help mm. like the elderly and the widows and Mm. fuel the jet. And And it's so interesting to me as I've gotten out to realize as you're under the indoctrination, I'm like, 
y'all are manipulating people like you are only here because of cult members for the money they're giving like they would try to talk all about god's blessing like the church i grew up in over it really grew over the years and it started as a small church on a corner in the country and eventually a church that had thousands of people in it and they had so many buildings that they built as they extended their empire really because like as far as a small church when you have more members okay we built a bigger auditorium oh let's add addition to this oh we want a school let's let's build a big christian school let's have a big gym oh okay we have more members, more and more people. Oh, wow. We need an auditorium that fits like 2,000 people or 1,000 or so more people. Okay, we need to build this big auditorium with all these different Sunday school classrooms and all these things. Oh, my gosh. Now we need a fellowship hall because our Christian school cafeteria can't fit us anymore. We have to build a building that can fit 2,000 people, and we need all these kitchens. We need <laughs> – And it just gets more and more. And it's because the cult members that they – manipulated and converted kept giving and giving and the more people you get the more money they're going to get logically and but then they would talk about oh look how god has blessed us and i look back and i'm like it's because you've got all those members and when the church i grew up in finally started to die down of course they had to really be careful about spending and mm -hmm. of course like ramping up on the shame-based serving and sermons on giving more money because without us they were nothing they oh. cannot be an organization without us or survive like, or pay the uh, light. And the same with the PCG. Oh, it started with an auditorium and then it was mm -hmm. the college and the dorms yeah. and then it was the auditorium. And they're smart. I'll mm -hmm. give them that credit. Yeah. Like they, they thought some of this shit would out. Mm -hmm. um, we didn't have congregations around the world. Like this is worldwide. The congregations mm -hmm. around the world didn't have mm -hmm. a brick and mortar church. We yeah. met in like holiday and sweets we met in then like lions club things like that yeah. things that you could rent out for the day yeah. instead of spending money on mm. buildings and have it everywhere See, all the money went to headquarters just saying yeah that was really smart wow i hate to say it but they were pretty smart <laughs> i'm always like let's tax the church because it's a oh. business it really to say that it's not and the and the, the catholic religion for sure is a motive behind that they um, get so much money religion just in general churches if you think of how many acres millions and millions of square miles mm -hmm. that are dedicated to religion we could solve so many problems yes. <laughs> put a garden there for the community do something that's just me and my totalitarian worldview. Mm. But <laughs> Gosh, you... if I could rule the world. <laughs> <laughs> and it's interesting because the church I grew up in, we did do things to help people. But looking back, I feel like we could have done so much more. And to me, a lot of these people who, because even in, when I went to Bobbitt University, I would hear this rhetoric to, because they would always do like a, a, some kind of like missions week where we learned about missionaries and different work people were doing or whatever and it always bothered me how they were like they're like we're missionaries we're going to these countries we're giving them medical care food and water but the most important thing is that we're giving them the gospel because that's what they really need and i was like <laughs> bullshit i just i like i probably laughed <laughs> out loud when that was said <laughs> but I was like, or snickered to myself because oh my it's gosh. such a scam because it's 
they were like, oh, there's just things that you won't know about until you die and <laughs> at all. And there's no really they try to give you certainty, a promise that it's going to happen. But no one really knows. We have no, no idea. One. And like no. it could be absolutely nothing. <laughs> nothing we have no that's idea. what i'm hoping for that's what yes. i'm hoping for i'm hoping for a nice long nap that's all i care about <laughs> yes and <laughs> when i die i want to sleep <laughs> and it's like when people would say this i'm like there are all these countries they need food and water and access to education and it's just it shows the indoctrination of these people who really think that oh no like this gospel message or our doctrine or our message matters and i would always hear that justified by saying oh we're saving them for eternity. This is forever. So that's what really matters. But the thing is, there's no proof of that. All we know is that we have the life here and now. And I'm like, let's try to make that better for everyone. Because we know. That's the thing we do know. We live here and now. <laughs> so let's all take care of each other instead of... It was not promised. Tomorrow. Oh, that's another thing. Tomorrow is not promised. We could all, like, God could destroy the world tomorrow. He could come back any second. That was a fear-based thing oh, that I was same. taught. Oh, my gosh. I would love for you to start digging into the end times and rapture because it's, I'm excited to oh. hear about that. So this mm. one's really fun. Let yes. me tell you Let me tell you about this crock of bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> they believe that we are in what's called the last hour. We entered the last hour when I was eight. I'm 29. How long is this fucking hour? They said, I think five years ago, six years ago, that we're in the last half of the last hour. And now I think they're like, it's a quarter till. I don't know. I don't know where they're at on their doomsday clock, but that's yeah. like the verbiage that they use. We're in the last hour of earth. In the last half of the last hour. We're down to the minutes. Oh, it's coming. Oh, it'll be there. And it's, what are you going to do in another 30 years? I don't expect mm -hmm. to. The leader now is Gerald Flurry, mm -hmm. and he's old as shit. So I'm expecting, who just took a second wife like a year ago. Oh, my God. The second wife, like as in two wives at the same time. His wife oh, passed and took another wife. Oh, but yeah. she's like 50 years younger than him. Mm. Huh. <laughs> I wonder why she married him. Mm. Or the jet. <laughs> <laughs> yes but that's his rhetoric i'll i'll never forget i know where i was i was actually in saint mary's georgia on the way to mother's day weekend and i remember hearing that sermon of we're in the last hour we are in the last hour and it's all right where are we at <laughs> i don't believe <laughs> that we could hold i don't know how they're gonna hold on to this last hour like it's been 11 years so when they i just want to dig into that a little bit yeah. because i know growing up there were different phrases and assumptions and things that were used to keep us silent or keep us conforming one of these things is that if we weren't if we were like oh i don't think god is really he's not seems he doesn't seem to be doing anything in this situation this is so awful and then this was something I heard. It was like, oh, God experiences time differently than us. Like a thousand, like a thousand years is a day to him. So yes, is, is that what they meant by the last hour is like from God's pers from his supposed perspective of time or experience of time. And exactly. that would be used to shame us and be like, you know what? This might seem like long to you, but it's, it's to God, like 7,000 years is just like 
a week for him or them or whatever. I don't like him. I just say them and she. or she <laughs> yes she <laughs> love it and looking back i'm like even as i'm older i'm like okay if god is all knowing what well, he must or they must know or she must know that we also we don't experience time that way so hurry the fuck up please <laughs> sorry sis i'm not gonna be here for a thousand years <laughs> <laughs> no so we actually had this thing called the world tomorrow and that was like oh. the goal like we we're in the last hour to get to the world tomorrow and that's mm. where you could there was no danger like you could hang out with a bear yeah. and take a nap with a lion and nothing yeah. will every they'll eat grass and we'll be fine and that that was like the heaven is the mm. world tomorrow interesting and so i'm really curious about your group would they use like political events or things going on in the world oh like don't get me started don't get me started. First off, let's talk about Hurricane Katrina because that's the first thing that popped up when you asked me that question. They blamed Hurricane Katrina because there was a ton of pedophiles in New Orleans and that's why Katrina happened. I'm like, where is this information coming from? I remember that. First off, don't get me started on Trump because they are all about some, they are brown nose in the Trump. I think they even donated to his campaign is what I've heard. God. Okay. Mm. It's disgusting the brown nosing oh trump's gonna trump is president and he's gonna win and of course mr flurry thinking he's all-knowing was like oh trump's gonna win the second term <laughs> 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 nope it is actually funny i uh, uh, georgia is such a, like a hot state right now mm. politically and i will never forget when biden won georgia I was in Midtown Atlanta and you could just hear horn honking and people cheering and clapping and yeah. I mean it just standing outside on the street corner you could yeah. hear people celebrating it was like close to an event that will change history mm-hmm. if Trump had gotten a second term because Georgia didn't or Georgia didn't flip think about where we would be right now oh my gosh but the, but that's just yeah. a non-cult experience it was just an yeah. amazing mm. event but the cult really celebrates trump um republicans obviously abortion homosexuality mm. those things are completely not okay in the church or in the cult. yeah um, so they're very republican very mm. christian like we were talking about christian nationalism like they are mm. all for that yes and so it's so interesting to me too about seeing people use these events because the interesting thing is about like these prophecies in scripture is that a lot of they're just they're very general. So you could take anything and it's like a horoscope, I guess, in a way. I don't know. Applying there's these general things you could apply. You can you find the specifics, you make the connections yourself. And <laughs> it's just so funny to see it happen, play out in real life, what they think. <laughs> My God, I feel like such a Scorpio today. <laughs> <laughs> I make fun of people all the time. They're like, oh, you're such an Aries, which I am an Aries, which I get. It has nothing to, the stars on my birthday have nothing to do with my personality whatsoever. Whatsoever. People are like, oh, Leo this, Leo that. And I'm like, my husband's a Leo and he's not that. (laughs) It's interesting. It's funny how they dig into that. Cause like to me, I'm studying psychology in my bachelor's degree. And I'm like, there are a lot of different things that influence personality. There are things you inherit. 
from your parents. Your environment also greatly affects that. And then you know, the psychology of your mind or other different factors involved in that. But as human beings, we like these simple answers to help us know more about ourselves. It makes us feel certain and things. But it's so funny to me because seeing these people see these events and judging people who experience them, you know, that hurricane you were talking about, Florida just had a terrible hurricane. And Florida is supposed to, we have DeSantis, who's a Christian nationalist, and is other Christian nationalists have praised him for how he's running his state. So they're very silent when a hurricane came through there. Now, from a logical and scientific perspective, it's obvious why they got a hurricane. It's just that's Florida, like where they're at, their location. Just the same thing with California. It's obvious why they get earthquakes because where they where the plates are they're parting there and they're going to rub mm-hmm. together and <laughs> underneath it, in the ground and <laughs> make sense and like the wildfire climate change and just the, their climate in general it's just nature exactly. <laughs> and it wasn't it was not lasers it was not lasers exactly <laughs> lasers or what did they say satellites it's mm. like people will go to the extremes like QAnon people Mm. go with the extremes just so that way they have the answers that they want not necessarily the answers that are right people want the answers that they want and I feel like Mm. that's just with cults in general people find an organization that give them the answers that they want they don't like mm, they fear death they want to know that there's not going to be uh, that they're saved or that they're Mm. baptized and they want the is it Arkham's Razor? You want the simplest answer is usually the right one. Oh, yeah. that's how I feel when it comes to cult. Mm. Like the, the simplest answer is un- unfortunately not the right answer. And the thing is, that's confirmation bias. Finding information that seems to fit what you believe and not trying to see it from different perspectives. So I think a obvious example to me personally is that you know, when people left the cult that I grew up in and they struggled to function on the outside, that was to them that was confirmation bias of oh like we're the right way that's why they're struggling but the truth is cults indoctrinate you and they take your identity away really and they keep you dependent on the group so when you leave the group you have no idea who you are unless you take the time to do some deconstructing inside but when people don't realize in some instances someone who who doesn't know anything about cults or how a cult really in which we were talking about mind control and brainwashing earlier which mind control there are a lot of mind control techniques that a lot of cults use and function by but when people get out or basically i guess you would say just thrown out unexpectedly and they don't have an identity and they don't know who they are without the group all of their life was supposed to be dedicated to the group to its purpose so without it like sadly the cult denied them autonomy and forming their own identity and that's why it's hard for people to function outside because you have to undo that indoctrination and you have to do that healing and you have to form your own identity and like really you're stunted emotionally emotion emotionally socially and intellectually there are so many things it's trauma how- it's trauma. Yes, yeah, so much trauma, so much trauma from the cults and these toxic environments. So there are all these different factors that are going into it, but they, the cult doesn't want to see, they don't want to believe that they caused harm or that they're toxic. Oh. They're just 
they're not they're gonna want to see it that really like i said confirmation bias so but it makes them feel better about their belief system or their group and like sally that's how that works out from what age do you remember being told these apocalyptic things and did they try to guess like specific dates or was it always just like, it's coming soon we're almost there or is it i mean from childhood if you want to get into that from childhood it was always like screaming and yelling that's what i remember and it was there was never a there was never an actual pinpoint because mm. that's the killer of a cult when you put a pinpoint down if you think about it like when you mm. say it's this day and that day rolls by the mayan calendar everybody was so scared when the mayan calendar mm. came up it's, it's just a day y'all it's just a day and so that's where they keep going off of that last hour perspective mm. um no, growing up in the cult, it was very, mm. like you said, r removing the autonomy from yourself. Like, mm. you weren't yourself unless you were mm. with your congregation, or you weren't with God unless you went to church mm. and, and things like that. Like, I, we talked about, they kept a Saturday Sabbath. Mm -hmm. I remember having to take notes, and it's like a two-hour service, four-hour mm. service, just oh, depending on put a uh, bullet in my brain it was yeah. awful. i can't tell you how many times i've counted dots on a ceiling tile it was painful but growing up it was more so my father believing mm. in it my mom was swept into it i told yeah. you my dad joined and we were born into it actually mm. my mom was pregnant with me when i was when she was baptized so mm. i don't know if i'm baptized <laughs> so i don't know if that counts life starts at conception so maybe <laughs> maybe i did but i just remember a lot of fear like they believe in corporal punishment so i got oh, spanked yeah. and beat mm -hmm. a lot the mm -hmm. there was one incident where he beat me so bad and i was in middle school mm -hmm. in high school that i couldn't go to school because i had gym and the bruises on my legs oh, were so my purple and black i'm so sorry wow mm -hmm. it, it it made me a stronger person like yeah. all my experiences and mm. my father being like the true believer mm. my mom just went along with it to make him happy oh i see that's why, she, that's why she's out but i left at mm. 15 because i actually told i started dating a guy in high school and of course you're not allowed to date mm. outside of the church and me being the rebel i was i started um dating and i told him about a prophecy that my cult has and he's that legit sounds crazy. I was like, mm -hmm. oh, so offended. Like, how dare you insult my religion? This is my <laughs> life. And he's come at it from my perspective. You just told me, and I'll tell you the prophecy. So I don't know if you're familiar with the rock that is underneath the crowning throne in England. No. How, it's, how they think it's Jacob's rock. Oh, interesting. Explain it to that a little bit more. So the so Jake from the Bible. Oh, the, a, the rock he slept on. The is rock he slept on that oh. had the dream. Yeah. There's a rock underneath the throne that the crowning member of the royal family sits on, huh. and somehow we, as a cult, we're gonna get that rock. Huh. And what was so, the rock supposed to do? <laughs> What's the rock? Like. It's a magical rock. I don't know. <laughs> uh, 
but that was one of the prophecies that we're going to get that rock and that's going to be another sign of the true and then they changed it to a different rock <laughs> that now sits at the auditorium <laughs> oh so y'all got it apparently no we got a different rock that armstrong rock. like of that pray armstrong pulled over on the side of a road and prayed on a rock and now we have that rock it's like in oregon or something like that and they brought this rock to oklahoma and there's like a little memorial on the side of the auditorium for this rock and it's like it's a fucking rock what is this <laughs> uh, wow that is and this prophecy i know it's different because some people claim that god sends or their pro prophecy is like sent to them from god or some people just use prophecy in scripture so was it like something he found in scripture or something he claimed that god said to him or i think it was scripture it was so long ago i wish yeah, I, I wish I'm, i wish i could remember more uh, that would and he's like the heir to the throne like he's supposed to be king of israel or europe uh -huh. or, or i just know that somebody posted on the face we have a facebook group of ex-members and they're like oh, so see. now that the queen is dead is gerald flurry gonna fight the prince or the kings or <laughs> wow or, but I a lot of credit to my ex-boyfriend because he mm. really helped me get out like mm. he opened up my eyes and mm. then he was just like can you just google your cult can you just google pcg and i did and yeah. That was like a like a light bulb went off. Like I never mm. truly believed it. Like I never prayed. I never. Uh. I just felt like church was just something extra. We're just being extra about it. And mm. so when I read that it was a cult and what a cult is and what mm. it, it has to do, I was like, I'm out. I'm mm. out. I'm not doing this. And my parents like would have family meetings without me, and talk about Hannah's not going to services anymore. How does that make you feel? And I'm like in the next room. Like, <laughs> oh my god you're like bitch please exactly like, like i'm right here i can hear everything you say and it was just like that guilt trip oh you're not going to services anymore you're going to hell you're going you're not going to be able to be with your family i'm gonna put you in the lake of fire and i was i had suicidal thoughts like mm. I, I tried to take sleeping pills to like oh, just get wow. away from it it was so awful and i told my parents this like, i want to kill myself and my mm. dad goes we're not having a funeral for you we'll just throw you in the river oh my gosh so i was terrible. like cool cool cool, wow. cool so you really care about me and my mental health and finally i i'll never forget this i've got in contact with a childhood friend from the cult who was still in at the time he's out now mm. um but i told him i was like i miss you i'm in hell mm. i i've had suicidal thoughts i I can't live like this anymore mm. so he told his mom called my parents my mm. parents were like you can't be telling people that you feel suicidal i'm like i'm gonna tell anybody i want and they made yeah. me leave and i moved in with my grandmother huh okay and so how was moving with your grandmother oh it was great she's oh, that's not good cult. yeah okay, no, the only people good. my only family that's in the cult is my dad and my mom and my sisters mm -hmm. i have three younger sisters who are all still in the cult one is actually in Oklahoma. She's pregnant. That's mm. a f second generation. Oh, no. Exactly. Mm. Wow. For me, it was very traumatic to leave my family. Like, they oh, sure. they basically chose the cult over me. Wow. So I, I moved in mm. with my grandmother, and it, it was awesome. She, That's good. She was, she's the best. I love her for that. Mm. I'll take care of her forever. 
it was as I got older and as I like became more of an adult because as a teenager you process things differently it's here Mm. now get over it move on but as I got older I realized the trauma that Mm. it put me through like that abandonment oh yes Mm. I don't because you said you study psychology EMDR therapy have you heard of that oh I have it's something I'm curious about trying to work through religious trauma so I've heard a lot about it I highly recommend. I did it for two years, three oh, years, wow. okay. and I'm a different person for the better. Mm. I was very angry. I wouldn't cry. I I mm. was very yes. cutthroat. Mm. You don't want to let people in. You don't want mm. to get emotionally yeah. tied to anything. Um, mm. I highly recommend. Highly mm. recommend, especially for anybody who's listening. Therapy has such a stigma on it for so long yeah. and i feel like mm-hmm. with these with the apps that are coming out now mm-hmm. like how you can get a, a, a psychiatrist not a psychiatrist mm-hmm. a psychologist or a therapist, a therapist. Mm-hmm. outside of like insurance and things like that uh-huh. it's really becoming more and more on popular podcasts that i listen uh-huh. to i'm trying to remember what the the company is called but better i help? mean is that I yes that's a yeah one. That, that's, that's a common one utilize it you don't need you don't know that you need therapy until you do it because it because it it truly helps it's somebody who's non-biased who's going to listen to you and not Mm -hmm. have a alternate agenda agenda. exactly exactly Mm -hmm. because i'm sure you had this in your church where you would like counsel with the minister or like you would have a problem and you would need to talk to somebody and they say talk to the minister or something like that or a deacon or something they have an alternative agenda. Yes. They're, they're trying to tell you that it's, oh, it's because you did this and God's angry with you. I actually, when I left, two ministers came to my house and were trying to uh, tell me to come back. And I was like, uh, I've literally read your name online and the horrible things you've done to people's families. I'm not yeah. going to do it. Another thing is, what's the word? It's the same thing that Scientologists do when they when somebody leaves. Mark them. Usually, I don't know, there are groups who do things differently, but it's like a smear campaign that happens. Um, uh, destroy the reputation of the person. It's just really and Lipton's criteria for thought reform is like dispensing of existence. Like people on the outside are beliefs and they don't matter. They're evil. They're wicked. They're a suppressor. And in, in, call in Scientology, they're called a suppressor or suppressive person, whatever. And I guess the more fundamentalist Christianity, what I grew up in, it's like they're a servant of Satan, they're lost, they're wicked, they're a heathen, apostate, and there are many other terms. Mm-hmm. But it's just – so people do this, this smear campaign, and this, like, excommunication or whatever. Excommunication, uh, that's the word. That's the word? That's okay, excommunication. Yeah, okay. So that – they do that to keep members from questioning, to be like, oh, they're dangerous. I have to stay away from them and it's to keep people indoctrinated in the cult. And I don't know if your, if this was told in your group, but in the group that I grew up in the IFB cult, we were told that if we were truly saved or a true believer, we could never leave the religion or the belief system or the group. I don't know what they, what did they tell y'all regarding that? Pretty much similar. Like if you were mm-hmm. baptized and you left, like you were marked. Like yeah. you, you're not you... really a true believer. You're not in saved, or what would they call it in your environment? You're not truly. What would they say? You're, you're you've rejected the word of God. I see. You've rejected the word of God. 
that's what happened with my mom. Like my mom has no communication with my three sisters mm-hmm. because she was baptized. Mm-hmm. I, on the other hand, don't talk to them because I'm a shit stir and I'm fine with that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like I'm I got you. like like I said, I've done a previous podcast and doing this one. Like I'm yeah. they've messed with the wrong little girl. They thought mm-hmm. we're just gonna let her go and nothing will ever come of it. No, I'm coming for you. Mm-hmm you are an evil organization mm-hmm. the racism the sexism the mm-hmm. absolutely i couldn't i fear for people who are still in it because mm-hmm. i don't because i don't know if it could go to jonestown that's how mm-hmm. much control they have over them you can have somebody not speak to their daughter their son their mother how? their child mm-hmm. because of the control what else control can you you pull mm-hmm. over oh i know it's so devastating to see cult members cut off their family members. It's just so sad to see that happen. I actually know of a situation where the cult lied about a girl who committed suicide and oh. told people in the congregation that she died of a heart attack. She, mm. was like barely, she was like barely 30. Wow. You don't have heart attacks at 30. And they, her husband sent her body back to her parents because she couldn't talk to them because they left she was isolated all she had was her everybody she knew left Mm. and it's the same when you leave like Mm. all of the people who were my supposedly my best friends i could never speak to again Uh, same for me and i expected that but it's a sad thing that happens you're the them now you're the bad guy you're the villain (laughs) and it and it's it's like we were talking about trauma you're I lost my family. I lost my friends. I lost yeah. literally everything I had, mm. and I had to rebuild from the bottom up. Mm. It, it, it's such a lonely experience, yeah. and especially for and that's why I enjoy doing podcasts with huh. people like you because no one understands our situation or if you no. why mm. we are the way we are because yeah. you never had that trauma. You never yeah. lost mm-hmm. your entire family. You never. Yeah lost all of your friends and every mm. person who you thought loved you and mm. now they won't even pick up your phone call or return a text i relate because i was expelled from bob jones almost a year ago and i've had to like really be and i've been working hard at it rebuilding my life <laughs> and it's better than it's ever been in that environment because i can actually have autonomy and meet my own needs and that's okay (laughs) that's allowed now so i have a question for you have you ever experienced happiness like you experience it now i've never been happier than i am now ever in my life and it's incredible because you're so indoctrinated for so long that you can't be happy outside the group you can't find true connection you can't have real friendships but once i got out and i've been deconstructing and digging into co-education all these different resources i'm like all of that community was so fake. All of you were so fake. It was a bunch of shallow relationships. We never really got to know one another because who we are, we were told we were evil. We weren't supposed to. The relationships in the cult were really all about reinforcing the doctrine, re, just keep indoctrinating each other and talking about these same topics over and over again and these beliefs to not question it, to not critically think. And a lot of the friends that I lost a lot, I lost all of my friends from college except for one and thankfully 
because I publicly deconverted and I publicly told my story and religious trauma, there were students that were suffering in silence in the environment and reached out to me. And I made new friends, much better friends from that environment, but we just, we didn't get to connect in that environment because when you're in it, you can't talk about those things. You can't, you can't criticize the system because what if you talk to the wrong person and then they tell someone and then you're ostracized. Like it's very, you're in, a, in these environments scared about what to really say if you have these doubts or certain things. So I've been glad to get rid of those toxic friends. It was hard to have people, see people leave you so quickly and to see and hear all the pain you went through and not care and mm -hmm. put their doctrine over it. It's like, oh, I get so sick of when you tell your story. People are like, are these Christians or people online or whatever? They're like, oh, I'm sorry you went through that, but then they pick out their Bible or use it. You need to do this and this. Oh, you're going to help this. It's like, it doesn't matter anything you went through to them. Their religion, their belief system will always matter more. And that's a common thing in cults. It's called dogma or doctrine over the person. This is another criteria for Lipton's criteria for thought reform in cults and high control groups. And thankfully, my family did not cut me off, which I'm so sorry that yours did. I think, sadly, I was really surprised that my parents didn't, actually. But I think my parents have seen so many families cut their children off and do these different things, and they see the consequences of that. They've seen the harm of how all parties involved are also really – it doesn't help anyone. Mm -hmm. And and I think – I'm not sure really internally how they dealt with me publicly leaving and – sent them the first interview that I ever did, but they don't know of anything that I do online. They've, my family was very codependent. We pretended problems didn't exist. We didn't express our emotions or needs in any way, which is so common in these culty families from these places. But Or if it did, it was like a huge blow-up family meeting. Mm, like, we all have yes. to sit down and oh, yeah. discuss mm. it as a family. It's like, we actually don't. Like, we can just solve this. <laughs> yeah. <And> it's <sighs> If I had a conversation, like even telling my parents I got expelled from Bob Jones, there was a gaslighting, there was minimizing, there was blaming and different things for what I experienced. And so I knew that I could never safely tell them what they put me through. Mm -hmm. And I understand from their experience, it's a lot to take on a parent, like having your child tell you how much they damaged you from the indoctrination they did to you and the abuse they really did to you for years. A lot of parents don't want to deal with that. And glad and thankful for the other parents that I've seen online who have taken responsibility for what they've done and try to be better. Uh, but my mom, mm, for instance, that's great. I, I, I know exactly where it was. She called me. She, she had left my dad and, in the cult, they, like, do divorces weird. Like, the yeah. divorce has to be approved by the minister. Everything's uh, got to be approved by the minister. If you fart yeah. in the wind, it's got to be approved by the minister. <laughs> so they weren't going to give her her divorce. And she's like, I'm leaving. I'm done. So she called me. And I just remember pulling over and crying. I was on the highway. Mm. And just, I, I felt like I had mm. part of my family back. And we had a really uh, long discussion. And yeah. we continued to mm. converse about what she did and what her role was and mm. and she's apologetic and it's an open conversation of i know why you did it why mm -hmm. you tried to make peace because my father was violent 
angry angry volatile just insecure man just overall Mm -hmm. so to try to she was the peacekeeper because i was a problem child Mm -hmm. i'll admit i -hmm. pushed buttons as any oldest child Mm -hmm. would but she has a great we have a great relationship now Mm -hmm. to where we can be honest of like hey that really fucked me up that Mm -hmm. really fucked me up Mm -hmm. and she understands and she's also in mental health she's Mm -hmm. our therapist okay she really helps mm. support me in mm. these endeavors and doing podcasts and talking yeah. about my story and things mm. like that. So it's not a, there's no bad blood. There's no hostility. That's I don't blame good. her for anything. The person to blame would be my father because he's the yeah. one that a joined mm. it, made yeah. her join it, mm. and used all the manipulation yeah. tactics. And a lot of these abusive situations and family dynamics in these environments, I see people as they educate and learn they're like oh my toxic parent they were a narcissist or is that something you've dug into or maybe learned more about trying to understand maybe if your father was like a narcissist or a psychopathic tendencies or 100 percent a narcissist mm-hmm. i'll never forget i don't remember if we talked about we talked about the me the situation where i was black and blue and couldn't go to school oh yeah wow the cult knew about it they knew the situation cps was never called nothing no the police authorities were not involved Mm. the cult what they do is they'll what's the word suspend you and that's a form of punishment like you can't come to services until the suspension's over so they suspended Uh, my father and he and somebody who he knew his wife had passed and he comes Mm. to me he's i can't talk to my friend because of you Mm. i can't discuss he just had his wife die and it's all your fault mm-hmm. because because uh, wow. i got beat by him it's my mm-hmm. fault that he can't do this oh my god so victim blaming wow. me oh my god oh so terrible uh, i just made a post on this on instagram a few days ago saying basically saying why are we victim blaming if someone goes if someone experiences abuse by another person or whatever, and I'm paraphrasing it, but I'm like, are we really going to tell them, oh, it was their fault or, oh, like you reacted this way or, oh, it's your perception. I was like, no, that's not, no, we need to hold the abuser accountable or the toxic system accountable. Otherwise, that's just, that cycle is going to keep going. So Break for culture, you, for instance. Hmm. Blaming, yes. oh, like, I can't wear a certain mm. outfit because I'm, because, or it's an invitation. No, mm. an invitation is an invitation. A consent. That's what they... <laughs> consent is an invitation. Exactly. Oh. Exactly. Yes. And so what was your process like of like deconstructing, questioning the system and finally getting out? What did that look like for you? So we went over it. It was isolation from my family. Like they, oh. Mm school thing the cult started a homeschooling like mm. even further withdraw people from the world and outside yeah. influence so mm-hmm. they started a homeschool but i had already stopped attending services i had already mm-hmm. told them i got a boyfriend i'm in love like i'm not at 15 i'm in love so they pulled me out of public school and i was mm. a sophomore in high school and yeah. going into my junior year and i 
refused. I they put me they put my sisters in the cult school and they put me in a separate homeschooling. And mm. I'm just I'm dyslexic. I cannot read something mm. and retain the information. Mm. It has to be like spoken to me or explained to me like a video or something like that. It's just mm. reading information doesn't doesn't help. Uh-huh. And that's all this school was. Like you read three chapters and you took a test. Oh. I couldn't do it. So I would refuse to go. I refused to do my schoolwork. I refused to do that. And it was just constant fighting mm. and bickering. Mm. I'll never forget. I At one point, I was the only person employed in my household. So my mm. parents didn't have jobs. And I'm mm. 16 and have a job. And I just come off like a 12-hour shift. And they wanted to talk to me about talking to my friend about suicidal thoughts. And I was like, absolutely mm. not. Absolutely not. And they're pulled over. And so I got out of the car and started walking. Uh, I was like, yeah. I'm not doing it. And they called the cops on me telling me I was being insubordinate and that the cop was like, you need to obey your parents. You need to do this. You need to do that. And I told him, you can go to the local high school, arrest every child there for insubordination, and then come back and get me because this is what happens. <laughs> I'm not talking to them. I'm going home. I'm going to bed. And that's it. And that was the night that they called my grandmother and was like, you got to take her. She's just going to be out of control. Like my Mm. sisters and I would fight. That's one thing I, if they ever listen to this, I hope that they understand is like, I was a product of my environment. I'm yes. I was Mm. trapped. I was scared. I Mm. was sad. And I never wanted to treat them the way I did, but Mm. They taunt, they would taunt me. They would come in my room and they would go, you're fat, you're ugly, you're a whore. Oh, wow. It was. I'm so sorry. What? It was like being. I'm they were abusive. They were abusers. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. All I wanted was peace. I just wanted to be able to do mm-hmm. my own thing when I wanted to and, and move on. But they would tattle on me and they would read mm-hmm. my diary and tell my mm-hmm. parents what I was doing with my boyfriend. Yeah. Oh. I wish they could understand like what mm. I was going through instead mm. of coming at it from, oh, she was being rebellious and she was being mm. a sinner and she was yeah. excommunicated and all mm. this. And I, I, sorry, mm. I don't want to, I don't want to tear up right now, but I, I mm. might. No, go let it out. Let it go. <sighs> We're all for crying on this show and letting out emotions. <laughs> it's oh. just so sad. It's just so yeah. sad that like, I see oh. people who are close to their siblings and I'm like, I mm. wish I could be close to my siblings. I truly in my heart, like they're my yeah. sisters. I love them. They're, they look like me. They're the only people that look like me. They're the only yeah. people that had mm. the same experience as me. And I just want that connection back. And I know mm. I can't have it as long as this cult is still in functioning. Like mm. I'll know, I just know I'll never have that. And I think, so your siblings, they're still in it. What are they still indoctrinated? Like, how? what are their ages now? I'm 29, so 28, no, 26, 24, and 22. Mm-hmm. And so, do you think there's, is there a way you think they're going to somehow wake up or slowly deconstruct? Or Because it is interesting to see the different family dynamics and how people and different siblings how they react to it or if they adopt it or if they don't because i had two brothers and people were people are always curious about that and their reaction which i'm not going to get into that but what was their right before you were excommunicated how were they treating you what do they think of you or 
oh, that I'm a sinner, that I'm horrible, that mm-hmm. I, they used to say, dad used to say, like, oh, do you want to be like Hannah? Like, mm-hmm. she's the bad apple. She's the bad apple in the bunch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm gonna th- I'm gonna throw away the rot before it affects the rest mm-hmm. of my family and it wasn't peaceful like we were no. always bickering because I always questioned everything and yeah. they just wanted peace and it's like mm. no I don't want I don't want to do this I don't want to yeah. do that mm. it mm. unfortunately I don't see the only situation I can see is if Gerald Flurry dies and these off they all splinter off and they wake up mm-hmm. somehow but honestly. Yeah being in their 20s and seeing me leave the oldest mm-hmm. and have having that oh you don't want to be like hannah oh you don't want to be you don't want to be like her she's mm. out there in the world she's out mm. there doing the naughties like it's <laughs> and <laughs> it's interesting because that this language they use that us versus them the, the dismissing or the dispensing of existence of anyone outside the system is to keep the people on the inside indoctrinated and not question and when you can generalize someone or really dehumanize someone, when you dehumanize someone in that way with the language that they use, you're not gonna you're not gonna connect with that person. You're not gonna get to know them. They're the them now. They're mm-hmm. out the group. They're outside mm-hmm. the only way. And growing up, I heard a lot of these similar terms of people who left that and I believed a lot of these things indoctrinated. But as I got older, I am convinced that the pe- the people who are labeled black sheep are the ones that are calling out toxic religion. The black sheep are the ones breaking that intergenerational trauma. They are the ones trying, they see the harm and they want to do better. And and we want to stop these cycles of abuse. I'm convinced that black sheep are making the world a better place. We are whole, trying to hold these people accountable. <laughs> oh my God, that can be a great shirt with our fuck the frosting. Yes, fuck the frosting. <laughs> like, black sheep are world changers or i don't know what we would say in it like it will come up with a great phrase like black sheep rule (laughs) but that's exactly how i felt was a black Mm. sheep like i was always the The different one different not accepted like you're not seen heard or understood in that environment either at all none of us are oh my god i just wanted to be a normal teenager like Mm. i told you about how i told people i was jewish just to explain it a little bit easier I didn't want to I didn't want to be different I didn't want to be the weird kid who couldn't do stuff on Friday night or go to the mm. game on couldn't go to football games couldn't yeah. go on dates couldn't go to the movies couldn't go to mm. parties like I was mm. just the anti so like I was very social like I'm a very social person like I hang out mm. with all my friends <laughs> but to have that crippling no you can't do this no you can't mm. do that and also gaslighting my dad would be <sighs> like I would do something and he's you don't get to do that because I wasn't going to let you anyway. I'm like, but you just said you weren't going to let me do it anyway. So how does it matter how my behavior is now? Just because I did this, you're going to take away something that you were never going to give me in the first place. That yeah. literally no sense. <laughs> yes. And so as you've been out, what has your healing journey been like? Cause I know you talked about EMDR, but could you mm-hmm. dig into your healing journey a little more? like how that started when you got out so it was really strange I'll never mm. forget like the first Saturday living with my grandmother and like waking up and not having to get ready for church and like oh, I could sleep in yes. I could do whatever I wanted 
I had no, I didn't, uh, cause the other thing is like dress code. Like I could mm. wear makeup. I could wear a low cut top if I wanted to, like I could mm. wear shorts if I wanted to. I felt mm. it was very freeing, even though I had not attended services in six months, it mm. was still under my parents' control, under my parents' roof. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't really establish myself as free. But mm. when I moved in with her, that that whole time period of like from I stops attending services to moving in with my grandmother is probably the most traumatic because mm. they just kept trying to convert me and tell me how awful I was and it was just very hostile environment so mm. finally getting out of that and being able to just lay in bed uh, do yes. nothing just mm. the full experience and so I graduated high school went to college and it just tried to be as normal as I possibly could. It wasn't until 20, see, I'm 29, I would say 25, 26, where mm. I was like, there's a problem. And it all started, mm. like, I couldn't keep a job because I was, like, the authority mm. complex. Like, yeah. I couldn't handle somebody who, and I still can't, I can't handle somebody who I relate has so much to that. Yes, like somebody who has authority and they're just overpowering and over demeaning. It's like, first off, it's a job. You're taking it way too seriously. Mm-hmm. I, I I can't, I couldn't be a part of it. And so mm-hmm. I, what happened was, is I got written up at my current job mm-hmm. and my manager was like, you need to change because mm-hmm. I love this job. I love this job now. I've had it for five years. It's yeah. absolutely amazing. And it was a wake up call oh, something is still wrong. I think I'm healed. I think that I'm better because it's been Mm -hmm. so long. I've been out of the cult for over 10 years, but still that lingering trauma. There's still like feelings I haven't processed. There's still, and that's the whole thing with EMDR is you go back to certain situations and you're able to reprocess them. Mm -hmm. Like we revisited that whole looking at porn situation and like Mm -hmm. reprocessing it of, no, I'm actually a normal teenager, and that was just handled awfully mm, by um, the adults around me. And that's mm. another thing is you can't take, and that's one of my part of my journey is that you can't take what the adults. You can't blame yourself for the actions of the adults who surrounded you, because mm-hmm. you can't internalize that because mm-hmm. that's not you. Even yeah. though they blamed you and they told you it was you, yeah. it's not you. Yes. And so how long have you been in therapy now? Three, three, three years. Mm-hmm. And with Got EMDR, you. you really don't have to like keep going. Like I, yeah. I don't, I haven't had a session in a while, but we keep in touch, and mm-hmm. go back if I feel like I need to yeah. revisit a situation, but I, I couldn't recommend it more for, especially mm-hmm. for any kind of trauma, any yeah. kind of trauma, because mm-hmm. that's what you have those situations where you have an argument and then somebody says something and you walk away and then you think of the perfect thing to say mm. and come back. Oh, fuck you. You don't even know. <laughs> it's like going back to that situation and being like, oh, fuck you. Like actually getting to tell them without actually having to revise or re- redo a situation. So the last category I did was about my dad. And that was the mm. hardest thing. Uh i've ever done i'm mm. gonna get emotional get ready yeah. for it here's some tears, yeah. some tears. it's fine yeah, go for it let it out like all i wanted was his approval that's mm. all i wanted all i wanted was to make him happy and mm. i did everything i possibly could and it just felt like i was pouring it into a bottomless cup 
and that's how I feel like cults uh, are is they're the bottomless cup like you give yeah. yourself and you give your money and they just want more, mm-hmm. more until you're either completely succumb to it or you're broken and mm-hmm. I I broke mm-hmm. how I feel I broke I couldn't do it anymore I'm so sorry you went through that oh my gosh no like they, oh um, made me who I am everything happens for a reason everything happens to that this point like today t- tomorrow's not promised everything mm. happens so that way you and i could be sitting here today mm. talking about our experiences yeah. and getting that information out mm. it's so important to me that people understand this is a real thing this mm. does happen we're not making mm-hmm. this up we're not being yeah. drama queens this mm-hmm. is this is a this is unfortunately a real part of life and to not mm. accept it is mm. foolish Yes, yes, most definitely. And I think I relate to that, like, passion to share your story and to help other people. And sadly, there are haters online. I just, I did a, a video reply for the first time yesterday. Oh, on TikTok. shit. What'd you say? What'd you say? What'd you say? <laughs> so this person, when I released a picture from my childhood from the cult I was in growing up and really told my story very generalize it in like 15 seconds to get the people overview of my life you know and I was shocked by it with the response and to it but there was one person that was like it's very short what they said but it was just basically they were like it was it's funny when people apologize right before they say something really awful to you they're like sorry but (laughs) but they said the best way is to stay silent forgive and never look back so they're just telling me to shut up stay silent and to me that just bothered me so much and like I, I tried to respond in a short amount of time as possible but it was a few minutes I think but I was like I was thinking I was very calm about it and I was like okay I was like number one I'm like a lot of us survivors we were silenced for years we suffered in silence we denied our needs like we couldn't be ourselves and now we are able to finally tell our stories and I'm like I'm like a lot of us were telling our stories and speaking up because we want change to happen. Because when people say silent, abusers abuse, systems of control still control and harm other people. So a lot of us survivors who are finally like speaking up about these issues, a lot of us are hoping that this is going to cause a lot. It'll take a while. And thankfully, there is change happening. But a lot of these situations happen. Because children do not have rights in the U.S. Religion comes over children. Religion comes over human rights in this country. And it's put on a pedestal. And the U.S. is one of – it's like the only like first world country who hasn't adopted like a document of children's rights that the U.N. has gotten other countries to adopt. We're the only one who – I made a post on that a while ago, so I need to link that for people to look at. But talking about really learn about children's rights in America – and a lot of people aren't aware how children in America really don't have rights. And that's why a lot of these abusive situations happen. There are, it's, compl- it's a complex situation and there are many things involved, but children do not have rights in America. And a lot of us who grew up in these cold sick situations, these abusive situations, we're telling our story also to inspire other people, to give other people hope. They can get out. They can find healing. But also speaking up, I feel like it's a part of all of our 
healing process too of just being seen heard validated and understood and also like finding community finding other survivors online that's been just so great for me as i've been vocal all the different people and survivors that i've met and as just we can bond with each other because of the things that we went through and can strengthen each other and help each other become more resilient and empower each other it really as we continue telling our stories and i said to this person at the end i'm like i'm not going to stop the story I'm like you don't like it boohoo go away i'm like i'm going to keep speaking up a lot of other survivors are going to keep speaking up whether you like it or not and people like that who want us to stay silent they are a big part of the problem and and there's anger i think there are people who do that are projecting they're projecting a lot <laughs> They can't speak up. They feel like they can't speak up. So because mm. we are there, they feel powerless, even more powerless mm. and an emotional response mm. to that. And it, mm, yes, most definitely. I agree. And, and there are times too, I'll get really hateful comments from parents who like, and it's very, when I see it, like I consider the source and I understand what's going on. I'm like, this person has probably caused so much harm in a child's life. And they, that me telling my story triggered that in them. They don't want to be held accountable. They don't want to admit to that. And like, it was really awful. Someone said to me like, oh, like, I'm so glad abortions exist. So child, people like you couldn't exist or whatever, like, or I wish you would have been aborted or whatever, stuff like that. And I'm like, basically saying, I'm like, oh my gosh. And I'm like, it was interesting because they're basically saying you're a terrible child for speaking up. You should have stayed silent, blah, blah, blah. And to me, in that situation, I didn't respond. I think I deleted their comment or blocked them. Because like there, there are things like that I will not respond to because it's very clear like a conversation. It's not going to happen there. But to me, you, everyone has the right to tell their story because if people, if people should have treated you better, if they didn't want to be in your story. Imagine if we went across our life and realizing I might be in this person's story because I harmed them in some way. And if I'm sure if my parents knew, oh, our child is going to write a memoir about his toxic childhood in the cult we, we raised him in. Maybe I want to consider <laughs> another way to, to do this. But in these environments, again, it's this dogma over person, the idolizing of authority figures the always obeying like keeping sweet and pray like the netflix documentary just keep I, silent i haven't watched it i haven't, I haven't yet because it's i think triggering. it will trigger yes oh my I, god we're the same <laughs> yes because i the people i live with i heard them watching it in the background one day and because of the indoctrination i've been through there are just certain phrases that i'll hear that will stick out to my brain and there was something they were talking about in the documentary. I'm like, this is triggering. Like, I have to get out of this room. And I was like, I cannot hear this because it's a lot of these similar phrases and dynamics in these cultic groups. But what advice would you have for people who are trapped in these environments and also people who are escaping and have survived these abusive and cultic and religious environments? The first thing that comes to mind is trust your gut. Mm. Trust your heart. Mm. Trust, trust you. Because the only person who's in your corner until you find like a, a life partner or mm. fr friends who you know mm. have your back and things, in, that, in those environments, the only person who's looking out for you is mm. you. You need to listen to yourself. Mm. 
for people who are still in it just mm-hmm. do what i did google it google it do your research see where you're actually coming from see mm-hmm. other people's stories like for me there's a website called the exit network Mm. and it's all about people who have left the pcg and the worldwide and their experiences mm. I'm, ac- I'm actually mentioned on there a couple times oh, because nice. okay because they talk about my father and how like mm. how awful he was to people and mm. kicking me out and and all these things but just tr- trust you trust you mm. and also find your people mm. there you will find if you look hard enough there's already Mm -hmm. probably people in your life who are in your corner but you've always you've got to keep a tight knit like Mm -hmm. for me it's my Mm -hmm. co-workers my co-workers are my best friends i love them we're a little we're a little family it's great Mm -hmm. um but for people who are getting out i I highly recommend a book it's called educated i don't know if you've read it It is it's about a woman who left a like a mormon Mm. kind of cult and her father was also very abusive and Mm. very much touched my story i'd never Mm. read something and felt so related to something Mm. and she went to byu she eventually went to oxford and became Mm. a professor and she's got Mm. doctorates now she's absolutely amazing i believe her name is tara Mm. absolutely amazing book if you want something to make you feel like you're being heard or that your experience is valid, mm-hmm. if first off it is, your experience yes. is always mm-hmm. valid. No yeah. one can take that away from you. But reading something and listening uh, to something like podcasts and reading yes. books, it just helps you feel validated Yes, in your feelings. It's mm-hmm. one thing that cults do is they don't validate. It's all about them. It's all about mm-hmm. them and what mm-hmm. they want, and what they yeah. need. It's never about you and your mm-hmm. inner, your journey your own personal feelings that's one thing i've always was curious about is that why doesn't why don't people care more about themselves not in a selfish way oh i'm gonna get all this but just that self-care that Mm, self-love you've got to love yourself i love myself first Mm, (laughs) i love who i am I i love my i love what i do i love i love it all and if you can't say that then why is that what's mm. holding you back from loving yourself what is that problem is it mm. a is it a, an abusive relationship is it a mm. cult situation is it a manipulative situation mm. is it your work environment is your home life is it toxic yeah. there's so many factors into mm. why you don't want to love yourself but you've got to love yourself you've mm. got to especially for mm. people who are experiencing suicidal thoughts you are yeah. loved mm. if you don't feel like you're not loved mm. you love you Yes. Wow. So powerful and agree 100%. But is there anything else you would like to talk about or discuss? Just the racial thing. I feel like okay. that. I feel like mm-hmm. we should hit on that because Let's that's really big. Mm-hmm. And I feel like mm-hmm. that would get. So in the PCG, you are not allowed to marry, dance with mm-hmm. anybody who is not a part of your race. And I experienced mm-hmm. that when I went to the youth camp. There were three Indian people, one one girl and two boys and they had to take turns dancing with the same girl how awful is that wow yes wow just you're in a whole room wow. full of hundreds of teenagers and you can only dance with one wow how isolating is that how mm. awful is that 
and for them to homosexuality and sexism that yeah. just comes with Christian yes. Christian nationalism as it is. But the fact that you're blatantly talking about segregation in 2022 it's just it's sickening it really mm. blows my mind and were we recording when i was talking about the video yes you okay. we were i okay. think so maybe maybe <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about it because i can always edit this part but, out if you did feel free to talk about it again if you want to but the video of the minister singing and hugging all of these people the married women little children all who are white and the two black mm -hmm. characters come across and he shakes their hand it just mm -hmm. blows my mind I, and i actually i have a great friend who recently left mm -hmm. left probably less than six months ago um, he's black and he's mm -hmm. everything you've said he listened to the other podcast I did. Everything mm -hmm. you said is right. They mm -hmm. try so hard to make you feel isolated, make mm -hmm. you feel like you're not supposed to be there. Mm -hmm. I, it's just horrendous. I actually know of the story of a girl who had to prove her lineage. She mm -hmm. was Spanish, not mm -hmm. Latino. So that way she could marry a white guy. Oh my God. Wow. <laughs> wow. This is so that ridiculous. It's uh, the control. It's the yeah. control we've been talking about. Like yes. you, you want to take every part of the environment. Like you want. First off, I don't know about you, but oral sex is amazing. They don't allow oral sex in this cult. Oh, like the, that booklet, "The Missing Dimension of Sex." They're oh, like, oral, no. oral is selfish. I'm like, no, it's not. It's actually pretty selfless. Just uh. that controlling environment of controlling your sex and controlling what you eat, mm, controlling who yeah. you hang out with. Uh. It's, uh, don't join cults. Cults are bad. <laughs> and that's the thing is that that's why we need cult education and cult awareness so much because it's so easy to cult hop. It happens. It happens, sadly. And mm -hmm. so this is something that is said on the Little Bit Culty podcast with Sarah and Nippy. But they always talk about how no one really sets out to join a cult. It just, it's a slow process that happens through like mind control. And just to me, I think of boiling a frog in water, but you put it in cold water and you slowly boil it. I've never obviously done anything about that, but that's just something I think of how the mind control, it's slow and it's just before you know it, you're indoctrinated. It's a slow process of how it works out. And the thing is, if you don't, if you don't like deconstruct or deal with that indoctrination, you're going to take that same mindset you're going to bring it to another ideology or another group. So, and that's why we need to break the stigma of like cults and cult recovery because a lot of people, which, you know, I did too. I didn't realize I grew up in a cult until I got out of it. Like it was so normal to me, all these things. But now as I'm reading about cults and like drawing the connections and have been able to experience things on the outside, it's understandable why it was so normalized. That was hope. It was my whole world. It's all I knew. And all the people around me were like reaffirming that, all these adults. So learning to, I think, when you get out, having your own identity, doing that education, and it's easy to think, oh, well, I didn't experience that. It's like, you know what? Still, educate yourself on subjects you might not think might apply to you. We would be surprised of systemic issues and really 
realized that, oh, wow, like I actually grew up in a cult and this is how it functioned. This is how it works. Because when you actually learn that, that's really going to help you from being susceptible to manipulation, to being susceptible to narcissists, to being susceptible. Now, it's not foolproof, but I think it will help people if they learn about cult leaders, narcissists, and manipulation tactics to see that and to avoid being sucked into another cult. And when I talk about cults, it's a spectrum term. And that's why I want people to understand. It's not a black and white thing. And I think that was the issue for me is that I imagine, and I think TB has done this to us too, but we imagine the very worst case scenario, absolute mm -hmm. extremist view. And we think that's all that it is. And it's not yeah. true. I had a thought and I'm trying to bring it back. But what you said about, oh shit, you said something and it just triggered something. Oh, I have a question. We're talking about cult awareness. How do you bring up like, I find it very interesting when I tell people I was raised in a cult. I get very mixed reactions. I get, <laughs> I usually get, what? Like, they immediately assume, like, Jonestown oh, or something they've seen yes. on Netflix because all uh -huh. of the different series and things yeah. like that. But I then sometimes I get a, a what? No, you yeah. that wasn't a cult. I actually had a girl tell me that I wasn't raised in a cult. She's like, how do you know it's a cult? because it is one like why is mm. black why is mm -hmm. black a color because it's a color like i don't understand where your logic is coming from how do you do you just yeah. tell people like hey i was part of a cult or does it just come up naturally as you produce a a, a relationship so, of some sort it's interesting because it wasn't until a few months ago that i really started publicly talking about how I grew up in a Christian cult, the IFB cult. And to me, how I addressed it when I talked about it online is I'm like, I know how people are going to react. So I'm going to explain and educate people on what, on cult education, on Stephen Hassan's bite model or um, Lifton's criteria for thought reform. These are both models used to analyze cults. And so I used that model to analyze the cult that I grew up in, and I talked about it. And I used that criteria to analyze Bob Jones University, and that Bob Jones is a cult. And once I tell people this is the criteria, and this is what the group I was in did, it matches. And I'm like, this is research through so many cults and groups, and this is why. Now that's how I educate people online about it. Cause since I did that, since I just, I've been teaching people what a cult is, I don't think I've ever gotten anyone to say you didn't grow up in a cult. I think people were like, cause no one could refute anything I said. You had the science to back it up. I had the up, science like... to back it up. And so that's to me, what was, that was so important when I left. And, and it was interesting because someone invited me to an IFB cult survivors Facebook group. And that's the first thing that made me question the IFB was like, I never thought of it as being a cult because it was so normalized to me. And I had this caricature or stereotype. But once I learned more, now to answer your question about people in my life, when I meet people, I usually don't tell them that, honestly. And the thing is, for the people that I'm close with, they're from Bob Jones University and they know it's a cult. I'm in a local deconstruction group that's full of a lot of like people from Xbox Jones, X religion. They were like, we all escaped a cult. We know what cults are. We've mm -hmm. studied them. 
And a lot of us did grow up in cultic churches and cultic environments. So we know our shit. So now for me, when I meet new people, I try not to reveal too much about myself. I'm really bad about trauma dumping to new people. And I'm trying not to do that anymore. So when people get to know me and I meet new people, I usually don't tell them about that background until I feel the relationship getting close enough to tell them that. So I haven't dealt with that situation of that invalidation of no, you didn't. So when I do encounter that, I have a lot of science to back up <laughs> what have... I went through <laughs> to yeah. analyze that. So that's been my experience at least. So for me, it's been, it like comes up like something weird will come up. Like they'll talk about Christmas yeah. or like my first mm. birthday. And they'll ask me a question. I'm like, well, yeah, I didn't, I didn't celebrate birthdays. Why is uh -huh. that? Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll give you, and I, I just come out and say it. Like I, uh -huh. I feel like when you, and I totally get trauma dumping. That's, yeah. that's that. I feel like that's something completely different. But just commonly saying, I grew up in a cult. Uh, I know what you mean. It can. Yeah. Uh huh they're like there's either questions or it's like, uh -huh. i grew up catholic or i grew up uh -huh. make it, i try to strive to make it more normal uh -huh. i will say i have a friend who likes to introduce me at parties as his oh. cult friend okay which uh, i both, do you like I, that or i both I, sometimes it depends on yeah. the situation yeah. some people get very interested like he introduced yeah. me to one woman who's a, pro uh -huh. a retired professor at morehouse yeah. uh -huh. and she she researched me oh. she like uh -huh. yeah like she fact-checked me she was uh -huh. like i'll see if you were in a really in a cult and in the sense of was uh -huh. i what was i t saying really true uh -huh. and what she found online was completely true so it's like a back and forth for me of do i reveal this about myself because honestly i i enjoy telling people because i enjoy uh -huh. the reaction i enjoy yeah. them telling asking me uh -huh. questions but yeah. also just normalizing it mm, yes like, that is, this so is true. my it's a part of me it's a yeah. part of me i can't oh, help yeah. exactly i got you that's interesting because because like i haven't I, I think you know a lot of people who know me and follow me they see the content that i put in online and it makes me glad because i've been able to wake up several bob jones students and people are like yeah well, i think we're gonna leave <laughs> this school we're gonna leave it like finally opening it and it wasn't my intention to make people leave my intention was to give people information they can do whatever they want with that but educating people on cults and for example when i go back home for holidays this year i'm not going to talk about how they're in a cult i'm not going to say they raised me in a cult because i know the reaction they're still indoctrinated mm -hmm. cult members never think they're in a cult people who are indoctrinated mm -hmm. That's just how it is. Uh, it takes a process of waking up to that. Honestly, in those situations, even if I provided all the proof to them, they wouldn't. They would find some way to just dismiss that or deny reality. And the reason is they're so emotionally invested. Their identity is a part of this group. You are, you are cracking the foundation of their identity. That's why they're so defensive. So. To me, I don't bring that up around family members. Now, if family members want to look at what I post online, they can go for it. If they want to Google do that, me. <laughs> yeah, if they want to see what I talk about. And I'm even, I'm working on an article 
specifically digging in scientifically if it's a long ass article but why the ifb is a cult because for other cult survivors for them to really get out of it and learn validate their experiences and help them understand and see the language and see the dynamics and apply that to other groups so they know that oh this is also a cult too so i don't want to cult hop and do this and there are a few people from the cult that I grew up in who follow me and they've never said, I've never had them say, Oh, that wasn't a cult. I've never had them say that to me or message me or comment that because really they can't refute anything that I've said. <laughs> Cause I gave examples of things we were taught in the cults and how it applies to like the bite model and Lipton's criteria for thought reform. And none of them, and, you know, what happens when people see that, it really causes cognitive dissonance in a lot of people. They don't know how to deal with that. Um, and so there are times that just people, they don't attack my arguments. They attack me as a person. And that's called ad hominem attacks. And this is very common online where people attack you and not what you're Which I see that a lot. So it's interesting because when I made a video series on why Bob Jones University is a cult, and I also turned it into an episode for my podcast just so people could access it easily and download it if they wanted to i had people who were indoctrinated at bob jones just say a lot of things some somehow a lot of the cult members that are indoctrinated at bob jones found me and just went after me personally in my comment section and they didn't and it was interesting because they had nothing to say to refute what i was saying they just attacked me as a person and when mm -hmm. i see that it actions speak louder than the words they actually said but i was like they can't refute any of this they're dealing with cognitive dissonance and they're attacking me to deal mm -hmm. with this issue that they're dealing but it's been interesting to see how different people react to information i i experienced the same thing on the other podcast that i did mm -hmm. the, the youtube comments shouldn't have done it i shouldn't have done it uh -oh. um, i went in there i went in there hard <laughs> One guy was like, oh, you should have done your research before you did this podcast. And Casey of Cult Vault, she was like, Hannah gave me tons of documentation before we did this. So yeah. I don't know. I actually don't understand your point. And then people just arguing, this is the true church. This is this is that. That's it's culty. Like, that's you're culty. Cult you're culty mm. as hell. <laughs> and that's even, that's Lipton's. Another form of Lipton has eight criteria, and what they just did, that's called sacred science. It's when the group claims to have the truth and it's the right way. That's another sign of a cult, and they just accidentally validated it. that. Yes. <laughs> Oops. No. And I expect nothing less from this yeah. episode. The same thing. Mm -hmm. But I'm yeah. not going to get in the comments because my mental health is better than that. Yes. <laughs> most definitely. Let, mm -hmm. let them. Let, let the haters come. <laughs> yes. Let them most definitely oh like i've greatly enjoyed this conversation is there anything else you would like to address and honestly like i'm down for a part two if you want to do that because i feel like there's a lot more we could dig into i i totally am down for a part two whenever yeah you're down, okay we have fun where we come up with yes. iconic t-shirts <laughs> <laughs> yes we do <laughs> yes i do want to open the floor for anything else you want to say before we end this part one at least just Thank you for letting me have this platform. I am I am eternally grateful just to be able to have my story validated and have yeah. people listen and, mm -hmm. and thank you to them for, for putting up with me for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been and, great. 
and just be true to yourself find your happiness and Mm. don't let anybody dictate what your happiness should be that's the one thing a cult does is they dictate what your happiness Uh, should be and that's one thing if i could if anybody could learn anything today or take something away from this is that Mm. your happiness is the only thing you can control and Mm. it's how you look at situations it's how you process things it's how you Mm. you you internalize things it's that's would be my main point is just Mm. make sure that you are you are happy Mm, yes oh thank you again so much hannah for coming on i've enjoyed this conversation and i'm excited for our part two to continue because i'm really doing a dig more into all of this and this complex situation i'll probably i'll listen to this episode and think i'll probably have questions when i listen to it i'm like oh let's dig into this and this it's just that's the thing that i recognized and like there when i go on podcast too it's it's hard it's really hard to like your story and do justice for it and mm-hmm. i just want to make sure that people are able to tell that mm-hmm. some people they need several parts to tell their story and if that's what they want and need i'll do that and i think you need a part two so we'll hey, do that hey, <laughs> you need a part I'll, two hey no awesome <laughs> no and i'll i'll i'm so excited and thank you so much andrew i really appreciate you for oh, what you do and, oh, and, you. and the way you come at it from a scientific mm. point of view and it's not yeah. And I will say one thing, like, I don't feel like we came from a place of hatred or no, or to be unruly. I feel like we mm-hmm. both came to this to, to educate and to yeah. have fun and to mm-hmm. learn and yes. to not, I, I don't wish ill will on anybody. That's mm-hmm. not who I am. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, I do want to make sure you know, you're in a cult. <laughs> Most <definitely>. Yes. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Thank you. And then Absolutely. anyone listening, just... Thank you for listening. And next time, listen to the part two as we come up with more t-shirt ideas <laughs> and dig into Fuck your the story. frosting. Yes. Yes. And then black sheep rule. Black sheep. <laughs> awesome. All right. Thank you everyone for listening. And this was speaking up with Andrew Pledger.